Hello everyone, my name is Haley Elizabeth, and if you don't know who I am, this is my true crime podcast called Behind You, where I sit down here once a week and I discuss a true crime case, and if you are interested, you can go to the audio version on Spotify, Apple, wherever you can find podcasts every Tuesday, or you can watch the visual version on my YouTube channel, Haley Elizabeth, every Wednesday. And today's case specifically, we are going to be talking about the case of Maria Namath, This case in particular is one of the hardest cases I've had to research. Um, If you guys remember my case of Junko Furuta, this is definitely up there when it comes to graphic details and just the violence of the whole crime is so horrendous and terrible. So similar to my Junko video, I do want to give a content warning straight from the beginning of the episode just to let you guys know that this is very graphic. It does talk about human torture. It does talk about insertion of foreign objects. So if you are sensitive to any of that, just want to warn you that is what we're going to be discussing today. So yes, viewer discretion is greatly advised. Now there is a lot to get into with this case, so we are just going to hop right into it. So on September 20th of 2015, the Sunrise Florida Police Station gets a phone call around 3.39 a.m. from 24-year-old Fidel Lopez. He's extremely distressed on the phone, he's hysterical, and he's telling the police that his girlfriend, 31-year-old Maria Namath, was found on the bathroom floor full of blood and she is not breathing. Over the 911 call, he explains in a bunch of jumbles that his girlfriend was drinking and then later on went to the bathroom to throw up. And then during she was in the bathroom, he went out to have a cigarette. And then when he came back from his cigarette, he went into the bathroom and that is when he found Maria dead. And at one point in the 911 call, if you could hear, he goes on this like really weird side tangent about his girlfriend Maria being the assistant manager of the place that they were in and she pays rent with him and the whole time he talks about that he's in a very calm tone and then immediately it spikes back up again and he's super frantic about you know Maria his girlfriend not breathing So throughout the call, Fidel is very, very hysterical and he doesn't even listen to the operator when she asks for an address. So eventually the operator just tracks the phone call and finds the address herself. So once the police were able to track the location, police show up to the apartment and that is when they find a very, very drunk Fidel on the floor lying right next to his unresponsive naked girlfriend, Maria Namath. And not only was there blood in the bathroom and on Maria, there was also blood on the walls outside of the bathroom, in the hallway, and on the floors of two nearby closets as well as their bedroom. When the police were looking around through the closets to try to find if anyone else was in the apartment, they found these really weird what seemed to look like pieces of flesh lying on the floor of the closets. 
They also found broken windows, a broken balcony door, damage around the home, insinuating that something much more sinister went on. The place was a complete mess as if someone was in a angry rage and was just throwing things around and breaking things. The police took Maria and quickly rushed her to the hospital while Fidel was taken into the station for questioning. But that night, unfortunately, at 4.02 a.m., that is when Maria was pronounced dead. The medical examiner said that her cause of death was due to blood loss of evisceration, and if you don't know what evisceration is, it basically means removal of the organs. So, some backstory on Maria Namath. Maria Lizette Namath was born on April 21st of 1984, and unfortunately, there wasn't a lot of backstory I could find on her. I was trying to find some sort of social media accounts or accounts from friends and family, but I just couldn't really find much. But what there is known about Maria to the public is that in 2006, that is when she met a man named Norbert, and the couple eventually got married when she was 23 years old. She was married and her friends and family describe Maria to be a very friendly person and just the type of person to talk to anyone. She loved her family very, very much. She was the type of person that was like family over everything. If you don't get along with my family, then I don't think we can get along type of person. Like she just loved her family very, very much and put them above a lot of things. She was also very into photography and she was known for like taking lots of photos on family trips and travels that they went on. She was the type of person that like wouldn't ever be in the photos but she loved to take photos every time they went to trips. Uh, Her family was actually from Peru so every time they would go out to visit she was always taking pictures of everyone. She was also a very outdoorsy person. She loved to hike and every time her family and her would travel instead of doing like very touristy things she was always the type of person to prefer to hike to like historical landmarks or walk through historical landmarks like if she ever went to New York she would be more interested in the Statue of Liberty than Times Square she was just in love with historical atmosphere than like what most tourists went there for Her father actually said that if he had to summarize Maria's life, she is the model of affection, effort, perseverance, and love for humanity. In 2014, at the age of 30, however, her marriage of eight years was starting to fail with Norbert. She divorced Norbert shortly after and she was out on her own and so this was very hard for Maria because she had been with the same man since she was 23 years old and now she's 30 years old and trying to get back in the dating scene as a 30 year old but also just like trying to just put effort into a whole new relationship, it was really hard for Maria to do that. And so then one night she was at a nightclub with a couple of her friends and that is when she met 24-year-old Fidel Lopez. 
Fidel Lopez was born and raised in Cuba until high school he moved to Florida. Fidel, ever since he was a kid, had sort of a reputation for being a troublemaker. In 2014, he was arrested to drunk disorderly conduct and a bunch of other smaller charges over the years as well, such as playing music too loud or parking wherever he wanted for as long as he wanted. Fidel, at the time of him meeting Maria, he was currently living with his two kids and the mother of his two kids. Although him and the mother were separated, they were still just living with each other. And Fidel's um, family, as in like Fidel's two kids and the mother of his two kids, really, really loved Maria. They even offered Maria to stay with them for the time being before um, her and Fidel moved out together. And that's exactly what happened. Um, Maria was the assistant manager at this apartment complex. And so she was able to get her and Fidel an apartment in this complex. So they eventually moved out together after only a couple of months of knowing each other. Maria was the leasing manager at this apartment complex located in Sunrise, Florida, and it was called Colonnade Residences. So the couple had only been living in this apartment for about a week before Fidel had made that phone call to the police saying that he found Maria in the bathroom unresponsive and blood all over her. So now that you know the backstory of the couple, now we can move on into the interrogation portion of Fidel and the police. I watched the entire interrogation footage and this is by far the most complicated interrogation I've ever seen and it's not the fault of the interrogators it's simply just Fidel like throughout the entire interrogation not once does he give a full proper timeline and so trying to piece all of this together and you'll soon see is very complicated and I really hope like me explaining it makes more sense because I really try to like make it as in order as possible. So at this point it's around 4 a.m. on September 20th so Fidel takes it back to the day before all of this stuff happened on September 19th. He said on September 19th he had ended his shift at the mechanic shop and when he came home Maria was cooking dinner for the both of them but they were also going to drive out to Miami, Florida which is about 40 minutes away from Sunrise, Florida, so that they could have dinner with Fidel's mother. So that's exactly what they did. They packed up all the food, they drove out to his mom's house, and they all had dinner together. Fidel's mother said that that night, Fidel and Maria seemed very happy, like they were laughing together, they were very lovey towards one another, and nothing was very off about the couple. They didn't look like they were in a fight or bickering or anything. So after after Fidel's mother's house, Fidel and Maria went out to Chili's to get some margaritas. Now, if you, do, if you don't know what Chili's is, it's basically like a restaurant where they have a bar area and a restaurant area. So they just went out to have a couple of drinks together. And then after that, on their way home, they stopped at the liquor store to buy some tequila so that they could have a nice night of drinking when they got home. 
And the specific tequila that they got was an 1800 Reposado tequila, I believe it's pronounced, but it's a very strong tequila. And I feel like that's very important to know moving forward. The couple had only been living in their apartment for about a week at this point, as I said, so they didn't have any actual furniture. So all they had was like cardboard boxes flipped upside down and they would use those as tables while their furniture came in. So when they came home that night, they had some tequila shots with lime and they were just talking about their day. Fidel said that as the night continued, Maria started to take more and more shots and just became very, very drunk, and that is when she started to ask Fidel to do very odd sexual favors to her. When the interrogators asked Fidel what specifically these sexual favors were, maybe thinking that, you know, maybe one of these sexual favors led to her death, Fidel just responds with, quote, I don't really remember, but I can tell you one thing, I definitely didn't come. As the interrogation continues, that is when Fidel starts to become more specific with the sexual favors that Maria wanted. And put those in air quotes and you'll find out later why. Um, he said that Maria asked him to put a beer bottle inside of her as well as his arm from his fist to his elbow. And then after saying that, he says, quote, she was crazy, man, and I was crazy too, but I mean, we were both drunk. And as you saw from that quote, um, he does indeed use past tense. He says was, as in he knows for a fact Maria is dead. So that's just a very important thing to, you know, point out. He said after she requested these sexual favors, that is when the details start to get very, very fuzzy. He said that they somehow ended up in the closet and it was in the closet where he inserted the beer bottle and then his arm afterwards and she got up in the middle of this sexual act by saying, I'm gonna throw up and then ran to the bathroom to go throw up. While Maria was in the bathroom throwing up, that is when Fidel got out of the closet went to the balcony to have a cigarette and then when he came back from his cigarette break he went into the bathroom and that is when he found maria and he called the police so later on in the interrogation the police tend to ask fidel the same question but with different wording to see if his story changes at all and it changes quite frequently because the police ask him things like was Maria breathing when you found her? Was Maria breathing when you called the police? Can you hear Maria breathing when she was found? And most of those times when he answered, it was always a different answer. Uh, one of the times he said that Maria was breathing, but it was a raspy breath when he first found her. He said that he attempted at CPR. He said that when he found her, she wasn't breathing. And then there was one point where he said that he actually actually heard her breathing from outside of the bathroom door. And then he also said at one point that the bathroom door was shut and he had knocked before going in and he heard Maria raspingly breathing and that is when he opened up the bathroom door and found her. And he in fact said all of those things. He consciously said, oh yes, she was breathing. No, she wasn't breathing. Well, kind of, maybe a little. No, I don't think she was. 
he said those things multiple times throughout the interrogation and not once did he really show any sort of confusion on his face or realization that he has contradicted himself and I really like how the interrogators throughout this interrogation kind of approach the situation with Fidel. They allow Fidel to contradict his story multiple times without calling him out the first time and just kind of let Fidel tell his story and when they actually do corner Fidel and try to get him to tell the truth, they do it very respectfully and politely. So the police ask if they could hear the story one more time from beginning to end, thinking that if Fidel relives the story, then maybe he will remember a couple of more things that he didn't before. So the second time around when he tells the story, that is when he tells the police that he knocked on the bathroom door before finding Maria, and then when he did find Maria, he actually called the police for the first time, and then he was doing CPR while on the phone with the police and he got so frustrated because he doesn't know how to do CPR so he threw his phone across the room and that ended the phone call with 911 and then he started screaming for help he tried to get Maria to wake up and then he grabbed his phone and called the police a second time. And simply just by looking at police records, they were able to see that Fidel only called the police one time that night. There was no second call made. He also said in his second time around of telling the story that the two of them went into the closet and that is when he inserted the beer bottle and then she said that she was going to throw up so she ran to the bathroom and it was actually in the bathroom where he followed her and inserted his arm before going to the balcony and having a cigarette. So as you can see, his story is changing quite drastically with every single time he tells it. Like, they weren't small details that he remembers, such as, you know, what time it was or what she was wearing. Like, it wasn't adding on any little details. It was just overall changing the course of the story entirely. And it was so hard for interrogators to get an actual timeline because every time Fidel would say a timeline, he would say it again and then add more details that completely contradict the last story that he just told. And he does this throughout the entire interrogation so you never really know what is real and what is fake because everything is contradicting each other, you know? One minute he doesn't remember how they got to the closet and and then the next minute he specifically remembers, one minute he is inserting his arm in the bathroom, and then the next minute he's actually doing it in the closet. But before moving into the rest of the interrogation, I feel like for this next portion of the interrogation, it's very important that you understand the crime scene. What they found in the home was several large holes in the wall, a closet door was ripped off of its hinges and lying on the hallway floor, they also found a sliding glass door that was shattered. A report was made at the scene of the crime at 5.09 a.m. that said, quote, I observed Maria Namath lying on her back, naked on the bathroom floor inside of the doorway. Her head was facing out into the hallway. There was blood observed on the bathroom floor, on the walls in the hallways, and on the doors. There was a large amount of blood observed on the floor inside of the closet. There was also what appeared to be several chunks of bloody tissue on the floor inside of the closet. 
The police actually said that the crime itself was just so violent and horrendous and the crime scene just was full of blood and bloody tissue and flesh lying all over the apartment. It looked similar to a cartel execution scene. They also took testimonies from neighbors and neighbors say that they heard a commotion coming from the apartment, uh, specifically a man's voice yelling, along with some banging noises that lasted around two hours. Another person who was walking past the building says that he could have sworn he heard a woman's scream coming from that apartment. Neighbors that lived underneath them also said that she heard some shuffling from upstairs, but she just kind of assumed that they were moving furniture because she knew that they had just moved in a week prior. And at one point, she said that she heard such a loud and hard thud that she could have sworn her ceiling fan was going to come right down. But again, she just sort of assumes that maybe they had dropped a corner of a couch or a TV or something like that. And another neighbor also reported hearing a very heated argument and she assumed that since the argument was so loud, it probably woke up the other neighbors as well. And they said that they heard all of this commotion starting at about 1 a.m., but not a single one of those neighbors or bystanders called the police except for Fidel Lopez. I just, I just thought that part was so wild to me that, you know, all these neighbors heard all of this commotion and yelling and screaming going on, but no one thought to call the police and try to at least even file a report about it. And at first, I was assuming that maybe Sunrise, Florida is the type of neighborhood that is, you know, very crime-ridden. Maybe the police just don't really go into that area or care enough to go into that area. But if you think about how quick the police came when Fidel Lopez called the police, you would think that possibly if someone else called the police, they would show up just as quickly or maybe even a little longer but still they still would have shown up. Maria's autopsy as well came back and Maria was found with injuries all over her body. She suffered a heavy blow to the back of the head. She also had defensive wounds all over her body meaning that she was trying to fight off her attacker. She had cuts all over her genitals including a three and a half inch cut from her anus to her vaginal canal. Similar to when women give birth, they kind of have that tear from their vaginal canal to their anus. That is similar to what Maria was found with, although she had no kids, nor was she pregnant. There was also major disruption shown in her vaginal area as well as her rectum, and the medical examiner said that it was so bad that they could not tell the difference between her anus and her vaginal canal. Now, there was bruising on her insides as if she was being violently punched from the inside. She was also found with pieces of her flesh missing, ranging from a 1 fourth inch to 13 inches, and three large portions of tissues were also gone that would have been 20 inches long. 
So 60 inches worth of her inside tissue was just gone from her body. Most likely, it was at the apartment. And so now that you know the testimonies, the crime scene, and the autopsy, this was simply not just a sexual request gone wrong. The amount of damage done to Maria was not just due to a beer bottle and an arm. It was something definitely a lot more graphic and sinister than what Fidel is saying. And so that's why I felt like it was very important that you know what actually, you know, happened before hearing what Fidel says. And hopefully you can see that his simple story does not even match with the severity of how horrendous the crime scene was. So the police realize that they're not really getting anywhere when it comes to Fidel saying a correct timeline of events that he remembers. He consistently says throughout the interrogation that he was just way too drunk and he doesn't remember a thing. So the police are trying to take another avenue and they start asking Fidel specific questions about the crime scene such as the balcony door. They're like, how did the balcony door get shattered? And then that is when Fidel says that he can slightly remember a heated argument that him and Maria got into shortly after they got home from uh, the liquor store and he remembers punching holes into the wall and breaking the window but he doesn't remember what the argument was about. He also says that the door was already broken when he went out to the balcony to have a cigarette later on in the night and he assumes that he did it because Maria was not strong enough to break the door herself. He also says that he doesn't remember what he broke the screen door with because he had no cuts or anything on his hand so he couldn't have broke it with his own hands. And then he weirdly says right after that, quote, and it wasn't with her. I didn't break the door with her, so don't even think that. So he basically just says like, oh, I, I don't know what I broke it with, but it definitely wasn't Maria. Don't even think like that. Like, okay, Fidel, we weren't, but now we are. Why would you say that? So as the interrogation continues, he tries to figure out what exactly this argument was about and that is when he basically just blames the argument on Maria requesting that he put a beer bottle and his arm inside of her and to this he was very uncomfortable with doing so that is what sparked the heated argument. He says that since Maria was drunk and usually people tell the truth when they're drunk, he was very, very mad because he felt like he couldn't satisfy her and so things got heated and that is when he admits to hitting the wall, breaking the door, and he also remembers breaking a laptop as well, but he, again, can't remember what got him that angry. Which is odd because didn't you say just 30 seconds ago that the origin of the argument was surrounding the beer bottle and the arm, but now you all of a sudden can't remember what sparked this heated argument. 
He also admits to being quite a violent person and has anger management problems. He says that whenever he gets angry and in violent moods, he begins to hit walls, throw things, break things, but claims to have never touched Maria or ever hurt a woman. He says that how he expresses his anger is through throwing things and hitting things because he knows that if he throws things or hits things, if it wasn't that thing, then it would be an actual person. So that is what he usually does when he has these angry tantrums, basically. And after he said that, that is when the interrogators start to get a little bit wary they start to realize that Fidel throughout the interrogation only remembers the parts that make him look good such as I went into the bathroom and I started performing CPR on Maria in attempt to save her life and he also mentioned at in one of his many stories that he also tried to clean the blood off of Maria because he hated seeing her in that state And he also constantly talked about how he was so scared and how he was freaking out because he didn't want to see Maria die. He also said that he called the police and he was screaming for help and he was very uncomfortable with the sexual acts that Maria wanted. And that is basically the parts that he remembers, only the parts that deem him as an innocent person. But as soon as it comes to the parts that could incriminate him or make him look bad his excuse is just I was so drunk so I don't remember that part such as why there was flesh all over the apartment why there was blood extreme amounts of blood all over the closet the bathroom the bedroom why there was an actual door ripped off of a closet and lying on the hallway floor why maria was naked when they found her All of those parts, it's just super fuzzy, but the parts of him doing CPR on Maria and trying to clean her off and being so scared and calling the police, he remembers those parts very clearly. But whenever it does come to those parts, he either just replies with, I don't remember, or simply just victim blames and says, it's not my fault. I was just doing what she told me to do. And she's the one who wanted this, not me. And very uncomfortably putting in there many, many times that he, quote, definitely didn't come. And I think that's just so disgusting he's overall just such a disgusting human being it's just it's even just so frustrating to watch this interrogation and watch the way that he speaks about maria because one second he says that he loves maria so very much and then the next second he's saying well if she died that wasn't my fault because she wanted it not me it makes me so frustrated to watch because it's like how can a human being think like that how can a human being see the love of their life die and still think that it was their fault even though there had to have been a reason why there was flesh all over the floor why there was blood all over the apartment and I don't think that was just all Maria no one thinks that was just all Maria except for Fidel 
So later on in the interrogation, they once they find out that there was some sort of argument, they try to get to the bottom of this argument in maybe the reason of this argument is what spiraled Maria to be in the state that she was. So that is when they start to ask him a little bit more specific questions of, we know that you never hit Maria, but has Maria ever hit you? And that is when he replies, again, in his multiple stories, he says these things seconds apart from each other. He says, no, Maria has never hit me. Well, except for this one time. And then another time after that, she slapped me three times in the face. But no, she's never hit me. That literally single sentence summarizes what he said within the span of five minutes. Oh, hey, don't worry. It's still me just thanking the sponsor of today's episode, HelloFresh. With HelloFresh, you get farm fresh pre-proportioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. Pick your favorites from 50 weekly options and skip weeks when you need to. Change your delivery date or even update your preferences all in the HelloFresh fresh app HelloFresh is 72% cheaper than dining at a restaurant and even cheaper than grocery shopping. That's money straight back into your pocket. I personally love the truffle mushroom gnocchi from HelloFresh. It's honestly so, so good. Like, I remember even after I had tried it from HelloFresh, I went out and bought my own ingredients just to have it again because it was that good. So not only are you paying for HelloFresh, you're also paying for like all the delicious recipes that you can keep for you forever and also their fresh ingredients just make everything taste so much more flavorful if you want hellofresh for yourself all you need to do is go to hellofresh.com behind 16 for 16 free meals and three free gifts that's again hellofresh.com behind 16 that's b-e-h-i-n-d 16 for 16 free meals and three free gifts So as he pursues in this story, he basically just deflects the entire argument questions and goes back into the sexual portion of the night. And this time around, when telling the sexual portion of the night, he says that he actually put a beer bottle inside of Maria per her request in the closet, and he did it because he felt bad for having an argument and breaking up the apartment earlier. He says later that they went into the bathroom and she asked him to insert his arm inside of her and she wasn't bleeding at the time when they were in the bathroom which again contradicts his story because wasn't she bleeding just two minutes prior in the closet how could she not be bleeding in the bathroom anymore although she was found in a puddle of blood in the bathroom And so towards the end of the first half of the interrogation, the interrogators start to corner him a little bit, be a lot more graphically explicit, such as calling him out and saying, quote, how did her flesh end up on the floor? Why was there blood found on the walls? And he simply just replies with, I don't remember, I was just doing what she wanted me to do. And since he doesn't remember why exactly Maria's flesh was found on the floor, they then ask, well, what did you do when you found Maria in the bathroom? 
And he magically just remembers all of the specific details, even though seeing Maria bleeding in the closet would have been just as traumatizing as seeing her dead body in the bathroom, you would figure that if he remembers all the details of finding her dead body, he would most likely remember all the details of the sexual act as well. And so when it came to that, he just replied with, oh, well, I found her and I was so scared and I started performing CPR on her. I wanted to save her life. And then I called the police and I couldn't believe what was going on. And I was so scared and just simply talking about himself and how he attempted to be the hero of this situation. The investigators at this point started to find it very, very weird when it came to Fidel's uh, memory on the situation. They found it very odd that he couldn't remember anything such as how Maria's flesh, 30 inches of flesh, ended up on the floor of the closet, why there was blood all over the closet and the bathroom. He can't remember anything like that or even how he broke the glass window, but he can specifically remember small details of the situation, such as, like he said multiple times, that he didn't come and he continues to victim blame and say, I was just doing what Maria told me to do to her. How can he specifically remember what Maria was saying to him if he can't even remember the biggest portions of that night? Now, the interrogators kind of believed Fidel in that he was very, very drunk when this all happened because when Fidel was found, he was very, very drunk. So they tried to test Fidel's sobriety to figure out how sober he was during this entire situation. If he was sober enough to remember small little details, that means he wasn't completely blackout drunk and he was conscious enough to know what he was doing was horrendous and wrong. So they tried to ask Fidel small things such as what time it was, what Maria was wearing, what tequila they were drinking, the places that they had this sexual encounters in, and he knew the answers to all of it. He knew what time they went to his mother's house. He knew what time they went to Chili's. He knew the specific tequila that they got at the liquor store. And even during the entire sexual encounter, he knew that Maria asked him specifically for a beer bottle and his arm. He knew what Maria was wearing. He knew all of those very oddly specific details But when it came to the huge portions of the night, such as how there was so much blood in the closet and the bathroom, why there was blood sprayed on the walls and the hallways, he just had no answer to. So they knew that he was hiding something because there's no way that you remember what Maria was wearing, but you can't remember how Maria's flesh ended up on the floor of the closet. So if you're like me right now, you're probably very, very frustrated. I think Fidel is just such a disgusting human being. The fact that he continuously victim blames throughout this entire interrogation, blaming everything on poor, innocent Maria, saying that it was all her fault and saying that, well, she wanted it, so it's not my fault. And basically just saying that he had 
like how does he truly believe that this none of this is his fault how does he believe that he's going to get away with any of this and the fact that he constantly contradicts his story multiple times and just goes about it as if he is so much smarter than the police and that he feels like he's making no mistakes along the way it's just so frustrating to watch and so the interrogators as well are also frustrated they realize that they're going absolutely nowhere with Fidel and they realize that you know what's the point of continuing this if there's going to be no end and even if there is an end we don't even know if that end is the truth so instead what they do is they take a 30 minute break and hopefully by allowing Fidel to sit in a room by himself in the silence with his thoughts maybe he will start to think of all of the things that went on maybe remember some things or just maybe even get the courage to confess what actually happened. So during this 30 minute break they were able to watch Fidel through the cameras. They thought that maybe Fidel would be freaking out. He would be really thinking about the story that he saw and how he just went through so many contradicting circles with his story. But no, Fidel did not show one single tear. He did not look stressed out. He did not look overwhelmed like he was a suspect of his girlfriend's murder. He didn't even act like he saw his girlfriend dead just a couple of hours ago. But instead, he took one of the notepads and pencils that the interrogator had on the table and started to draw cartoon cars. He just started to draw little cartoon engines and cars and that was it. He didn't look stressed. He looked quite calm actually. He looked very nonchalant like nothing really went on that night and he just started to draw little cars and when the investigators came back in, they saw the cars. It was like a little engine. And they were like, oh, so you were doodling in here. You weren't like contemplating or like getting stressed out that you just saw your girlfriend dead. You were drawing little doodles. Now, I'm not sure if this was a like trauma response because I know that some people use art and drawing as a way to express themselves when they encounter something traumatic or something like that but it was just something that I feel like I should take note of up for your interpretation however you want to view it. So when the interrogators return, you can definitely tell that a switch had flipped and they were now in good cop, bad cop mode. There was one interrogator that was very like soft and sweet with Fidel. And then there was another person who basically just came down on Fidel, asked him what was wrong and gave him all the graphic details found at the scene, basically just trying to get Fidel to confess through pressure. The bad cop in the situation just tells Fidel straightforward that they found Maria's insides ripped out of her and there was blood all over the apartment as well as long pieces of flesh and they want to know what happened. So they're telling all of this to Fidel and they're like, if she was able to walk from the closet to the bathroom to throw up as you said she was, 
There is no way. It is impossible. With the amount of flesh found in the closet, it is impossible that she would be able to get up and walk and talk so casually to the bathroom. So they're trying to come down on Fidel and they're like, we need to know what happened. We're not believing your stories anymore. Like you need to tell us the truth. And Fidel once again just continues to victim blame. And he says, quote, I didn't do anything wrong. I was just doing whatever she told me to do. And the good cop in this situation actually demonstrated to Fidel that if he were to put his arm inside of Maria from fist to elbow, the length of his fist to the elbow, if he were to put that inside of Maria, his hand would have been inside of her organs and maybe he had ripped out her organs through that motion. But again, he just continuously says that I don't remember, I don't remember, even though the police are saying you put your arm inside of her, as you said, your hand would have been touching the parts of her body that we couldn't find her flesh from during the autopsy. So the bad cop then comes in and starts really coming down on Fidel and says, why did you hurt her? What did she do that made you so angry? And as Fidel is starting to get all of these graphic details that he himself had said about the arm and the beer bottle and them telling him, you know, why did you hurt her? Why did you do this? That is when Fidel starts to feel a little bit under pressure and he accidentally blurts out when talking about the argument portion of the night. He accidentally blurts out that the argument was about Maria's ex-husband, Norbert. That is when the investigators try to figure out what specifically about Norbert were they talking about. But it's kind of too late for investigators because Fidel quickly realizes that he messed up and he accidentally gave too big of a truthful detail. So he starts to backtrack and he says, you know, it was about her ex-husband, but I don't remember what it was specifically about. It's just so fuzzy. I was so scared. So the interrogation at this point kind of just goes back to square one of Fidel constantly saying the same exact three things things. He continues to say, I don't remember because I was too drunk. It's not my fault because I was just doing what Maria was telling me to do and I definitely didn't come. So instead of completely going back to square one because now the interrogators kind of have a a like way in they know that it was about Norvert but they're trying to figure out what specifically about Norvert caused this to happen so the interrogators offer a suggestion that Fidel go take a smoke break and during his smoke break they will give him a notepad and a pencil and he will write down everything in order that he remembers happened in hopes of maybe filling in some of the fuzzy gaps that he has in his story maybe he'll remember remember something else but when Fidel is asked this suggestion he immediately shuts it down he says no I don't want to do that I'm not going to do that I already told you guys everything there is to know and to that the interrogators just felt like Fidel 
didn't even want to try to remember anything. There was something there that he was purposely suppressing and it just made the interrogators want to figure out more of what happened because it's clear that if Fidel really loved Maria, he would do everything in his power to bring justice to Maria. He will go the lengths to try to remember as much as he could to help Maria and lock up her attacker. But in this situation, he wasn't really compliant when answering all of the tough questions. It just seemed like Fidel didn't really care enough to bring Maria any sort of justice. And so the bad cop just really comes down on Fidel asking him, you know, why did you do this? What made you so angry? You killed an innocent woman. And he also said at one point, quote, you ripped her insides out, Fidel. You killed her. And to this, Fidel replies with, quote, I didn't mean to. And the detective replies and says, I know you didn't mean to, but what made you so angry that you felt like you needed to do that? So after the detective said this, this was the first time where Fidel said nothing. Fidel just sat there quietly. He didn't come up with a response. He didn't go towards one of his three responses that he had been giving. He didn't say, I don't know, I don't remember. He just sat there in silence after the detective said that. And then that is when the bad cop in the situation went over to Fidel's side of the interrogation table and he put an arm on Fidel's shoulder. And that is when the cop said, quote, it takes a real man to cry and it takes a real man to tell the truth be that man Fidel and at that point that is when Fidel looks up at the officers and begins to tell the real story of what happened between him and 31 year old Maria Namath that night he says that after he came home from work, the couple did indeed bring food over to his mom's house out in Miami and they all had dinner together. After dinner, they did stop at Chili's for some margaritas and then afterwards stop at the liquor store to get some tequila and then they went home to just drink. They sat down on their little cardboard box tables and just began to take some shots and just talk about their day, talk about life. That is when Maria starts talking about her mother, who currently lives in Peru, and she says that, you know, her mom's getting older and Maria really wants to go out there and spend some time with her mom and she wants to visit her mom for a long time, possibly a month, and if she likes it enough, she might even want to move out there. Maria said that this was not a split-second decision. This is something that she's been wanting to do for a very long time. Even when she was married to Norbert, she always talked about it with Norbert of her dreams of moving to Peru so she could live with her mother and this was something that was very important to her. So she was just letting Fidel know in hopes that Fidel would support her. Now, to this, Fidel did not respond very supportive. He grew very, very angry, and he kind of took this in a way that Maria was leaving him. He felt like Maria never wanted a relationship in the first place. She was just using him, and now she was going to leave him. And since he was already drunk at this point from drinking a lot during the night, he went into a drunken rage. And during 
During his drunken rage, it was then where he started punching holes in the walls, breaking the balcony door, ripping off the closet door, and started throwing things around such as a laptop. During his drunken rage, Maria is able to calm him down during this argument, meaning that during this time, Maria was sober enough to understand the situation and calm him down. And he remembers after this, Maria and him made peace with one another and they just continue to drink and take shots. And with every shot, that is when Maria got more and more drunk and that is when uh, Fidel as well also got a lot more drunk. He says that he remembers shortly after all of this, that is when they decided to make peace and they went into the closet to have sex. And while they were having sex in the closet, that is when Fidel says that Maria had accidentally called Fidel Norbert twice. And Maria most likely switched up Norbert and Fidel because, as I said, she was just saying the name of what she had been saying for the past eight years. It's completely understandable why she would mix up like that. But instead of Fidel understanding in that way, he just grew very, very angry with her. He said that Maria was mixing him up with her ex and this made him extremely angry. And although all of this was going on, he still insisted that Maria was asking about the bottle and arm insertion, but things got way out of hand because he was very angry. He assumed that since the bottle and arm insertion were things they never did before, that these were all things that her and her ex used to do, which made him even more mad. He told interrogators, quote, She called me the name of the other effing guy, and she said it twice, and she was wrong, and she was confusing me with him. At that point, I get mad. I get really, really mad. He left the closet afterwards to break more things in the apartment. He was yelling, and then when he got back to the closet, that is when he saw Maria laying on the floor extremely drunk, and that is when he started to insert the beer bottle as well as both of his fists and a hair straightener. He says that he didn't mean to kill her, but he does know that he, in fact, killed her. He also confessed to pulling her insides out during this rage. When he put both of his fists inside of her, he began to pull out her flesh because he was just so angry. And at one point, he said that he walked into the bathroom to wash the blood and flesh off of his hands before walking out to the balcony to have a cigarette. He didn't specify if Maria was conscious enough to understand what was happening or if Maria was screaming or telling him to stop, but it is believed that with the amount of alcohol that Maria consumed. She was probably just so drunk and as well as when you are in high amounts of pain, you tend to go in and out of consciousness. Sometimes the pain is just so much that it makes you lightheaded and to the point where you don't even feel it really and that is what's believed to have happened to Maria. The high levels of pain were just so much that she was going in and out of consciousness consciousness and because she had consumed a lot of alcohol she wasn't feeling the pain as much as she would have been if she was completely sober 
And while Fidel was out on the balcony having a cigarette, it was believed that Maria was able to gather up enough strength, even though there were so much of her insides that were taken out and on the closet floor, somehow she was able to gather up enough strength to crawl herself to the bathroom in hopes of maybe just cleaning herself off, finding a nearby phone. But it was unfortunately in that bathroom where Maria lied on the floor and bled out to death. When Fidel returned to the closet, he found Maria wasn't in there. And that is when he went to the bathroom and he found Maria bloody on the floor and he called the police immediately. And after he goes through all of these horrific and graphic details of his crime, which he says so nonchalantly, by the way, when the police ask him, do you feel remorse for what you did? He just replies with, quote, of course, man, what do you think? Then immediately follows up that comment. And this is so disgusting and frustrating. He follows up that comment with, quote, There's something that really bothers me right now, man. I already know I'm going to jail, but I have two kids, you know, and everything. How many years do you think this is going to cost me? After confessing to all of those insanely graphic and traumatizing details he just did to Maria, the fact that he was admitting to pulling out her insides and like tearing out her flesh and throwing it on the closet floor in a fit of rage, he shows no remorse and has the audacity, after all of that, to still Think about himself and say, yeah, I know I'm going to jail, but for how long do you think? Because I got things to do. He does not really care about the state Maria is in. He doesn't really care about her family's reaction or his own family's reaction. All he's concerned about is how much jail time he's going to get for this. So in 2017, that is when Fidel's trial begins, and it does not take the jury very long to sentence him to life in prison for the murder of 31-year-old Maria Namath without possibility of parole. After his conviction, he said at the trial, quote, Today, I am happy to fulfill this conviction. I know that what I did has to be paid, and I agree. I will pay with my life for the life I have taken. To Maria's family, I ask for forgiveness. And all while during the whole entire trial, he didn't show any signs of remorse. He had no tears in his eyes. He didn't really look like he was sorry. He just kind of was looking at everything as if it was a small thing, like an accident that he had done. I don't think he really understood the severity that he just took a life away, or at least he wasn't acting like it. As for Fidel today, he currently sits in prison and will continue to stay there for the rest of his life with no possibility of parole. So after this was made to the public, a high school girlfriend of Fidel actually came forward with her story and said how in high school when they were dating, Fidel was a very jealous person and if she spoke to any other male besides her, he would fight them. 
and he told her multiple times that she wasn't allowed to wear leggings in public and on multiple occasions as well Fidel had asked to put foreign objects inside of her such as candlesticks and she found this to be very weird because they were in high school and he was her very first so this was kind of uncomfortable for her but she just kind of thought that maybe he was into that sort of thing and this girlfriend also provided many photos of her and Fidel to prove that they were in a relationship in high school. And then she said that over the years, Fidel has attempted to contact her, um, but she has declined all of his offers. And the last time she spoke to him was the week before he killed Maria asking her when's the next time he was going to be able to see her again. I just thought that portion was very interesting to know because this girlfriend said that ever since Fidel was in high school, he's had a thing for putting foreign objects into women. And I just found it very weird that this same exact situation happened in Maria's situation, but it was Maria that was insinuating it and not Fidel, even though Fidel has a history with this sort of thing. So I just thought that was very interesting to point out, but that is the end of today's story. As far as Fidel and Maria's family today, they haven't really spoke out um, to the press quite recently. Ever since this happened um, back in 2015, they haven't really spoke about it, but I just hope that Maria's family is coping with Maria's death as much as they can. I hope they have come to peace with it and I really hope that they continue to live out Maria's legacy. I hope that they continue to sort of speak about her story so Maria is never forgotten but not just for you know how her life ended but the life that she lived while she was still on earth as I said I couldn't really find much about Maria but from what I read it sounded like she was such a wonderful and beautiful soul she was so nice to everyone she loved her family greatly she put her family above everything she was willing to move out to a different country just because she wanted to be closer to her mother all the time she just seemed like such a beautiful and amazing and giving person and it's very heartbreaking to hear how her life ended so traumatically and violently by the hands of Fidel Lopez. A lot of people, weirdly, had sympathy for Fidel in this situation. A lot of people were saying that, you know, maybe he was really, really drunk and he didn't know what he was doing. But again, during that whole sexual intercourse, he remembered very specific details such as where it was, what time it was, what Maria was wearing, what they were drinking, and he rem he remembers very small specific details, the type the type of details you wouldn't really remember if you were blackout drunk or so drunk to the point where you couldn't remember a thing. And I don't know, maybe there's a possibility that the alcohol was hitting him just in that moment, but drunk or not, that does not give him any sort of excuse to complete the 
inhumane and terrifying crime that he did to innocent Maria, that does not give him a pass. And like that kind of made me frustrated when people were saying that. They were saying, oh, you know, he was drunk. Anything can happen when you're drunk. That does not give him the excuse to go ahead and kill someone and then get a pass for it. It doesn't work like that. There are so many people every single day that get blackout drunk and never kill anyone. Never, ever, ever. So why is it that Fidel weirdly just gets a pass in this scenario? I just found it very frustrating when I was reading things about that, but... Yes, that is the end of today's story. If you guys found the story interesting, make sure to rate it five stars on whatever audio platform you're listening to on right now, or give it a thumbs up if you're watching on YouTube, and make sure to subscribe so that you could hang out with me next week to talk about another true crime case. Let me know in the comments below what you guys think. Um, do you think Fidel deserved the death penalty? Because, oh yeah, I didn't even mention this. The reason why he got life in prison instead of the death penalty is because he took a plea deal to prevent the death penalty. Do you guys think that he should have gotten the death penalty, an eye for an eye? Or do you guys think the complete opposite? You know, let me know in the comments below what you guys think about that. Let's have a discussion a conversation what you feel about the case or maybe if you go ahead and do your own research about the case and you found out something that I didn't mention in this video or that I didn't necessarily find in my research leave it in the comments below you know add more details to this story if you personally know anything more about Maria's life let me know in the comments below we'd love to you know get to know Maria a lot more because as I said I unfortunately Unfortunately, couldn't find much online about her but yeah let me know all your thoughts in the comments below and I will see you guys next week for another behind you podcast episode bye